that, man, there's a huge open market. Um, and for our first product, Kai's Clan, I said, you know, you've got all these different technologies. You've got IoT, you've got AR, you've got VR. And I was like, why don't we make a tool that encompasses all of these tech? The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Well, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and today we are talking with Bruce Jackson, who's the founder at uh, Kai's Education uh, and 3D Printing Systems. Well, let's uh, let's jump in. Bruce, maybe you can give a little bit of an introduction as to sort of where you fit into this big, wild world of, of tech here in New yeah, Zealand. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for having us uh, on board. And yeah, where did I start? You know, I started pulling apart dot matrix printers and uh, dial-up modems when I was a little kid. And, you know, that got me into having an understanding of what tech is and, you know, started coding and built my own disco. And, you know, then I saw this thing, you know, 11 years ago called a 3D printer. And I thought, nah, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be hot as a hot muffin, you know. So I got onto that and purchased my first 3D printer. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I didn't know what the market was. I thought, oh, architects are going to love this. Had it whirring out stuff. I was just amazed by it. And um, I then took it over to a trade show in Melbourne, an engineering show, and I started in a garage like most Kiwi businesses do. And within one month, I was in in a warehouse. You know, I was just selling these units like lollies and... Uh, great, you know. So, um, you know, that's what might been my journey. I've hacked my own car for self-driving. It kind of worked, you know. Um, uh, yeah. So. Oh, that's, that's great. Well, it sounds like there's going to be um, there's going to be a lot we can uh, we can chat about today. Um, before we sort of jump in too far, I just want to say a big thank you to our show partners. Uh, Vodafone, Two Degrees, Spark, HP and Gorilla Technology, not only for their support of the New Zealand Tech Podcast, but also broader tech and innovation ecosystems here in New Zealand. Yeah, let's let's get get into that. You, you mentioned self-driving. That's always, always a thing that takes my interest. So we'll definitely be keen to keen to have a chat around that. And But the 3D printing seems to have sort of been a, a big part. And of course, uh, now with uh, Kai's education, you've got your your Kai bot, your sort of robotics and, and educational pieces for youngsters, which is I, I guess what we really want to uh, to delve into uh, today. But yeah, maybe we can hear a little bit more around that uh, that three the three D printing and three D scanning and um, and what that business you know has evolved into over the last uh, decade. Yeah, you still run that as well as doing uh, Kai's yeah, education. Yeah, I've still got three right? D uh, printing, and we yeah. sell most of our machines into Australia. We don't really focus too much on New Zealand, but we're a New Zealand company, you know, everything has started here and That's we're great. still still running here. Um, but yeah, so when I was, you know, uh, uh, pushing out these 3D printers, most of them were going into schools. And, you know, that certainly turned on a light bulb moment for me and seeing, you know, learning about how education uses technology and that put me down a journey on making, you know, uh, re- resources that schools could use. So instead of just having a 3D printer that's going to sit on a shelf and gather dust because mm, they bought this mm. cool toy, yep. but how do they how do they implement this into their curriculum? So that put me on this journey on 
let's make resources that they can use with their 3D printers to do that. And that's where I started with the robotics in education. Yeah, good. So then I started designing and using 3D scanning and using these tools myself to create product um, that is used in the classroom today. Um, whether those are print your own little devices, you know, we started with a print your own 3D scanner. So we sold the components that you use and you had to have a 3D printer to print your own scanner. And now we use 3D printing and design to design our own products. We don't manufacture them here. I mean, it's cheaper to manufacture in China. That's got its own challenges. But having that prototyping to be able to 3D print something, to get the feel of it right away, you know, within an hour or a couple of hours time and say, ah, oh, this doesn't really fit or that component doesn't go or there's a change in components because China's can't supply that component anymore. You can adapt and really turn around a product much, much faster than we've ever been able to do. Yeah, I think there's, um, you know, cert certainly, you know, specific areas where, you know, where 3D printing, you know, is just absolutely invaluable and I guess there's all sorts of part, you know, the technologies that we just take for granted in our in our organisations and and um, businesses today. That yeah, if you suddenly you know, turned off all the technology, it would be uh, we'd be all would, lost. Yeah, it'd be very 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 painful. Um, and in terms of where you see uh, you know three D printing being the most valuable? Is it that sort of manufacturing world or are there other particular areas where, you know, where you see it's, uh, it's very, very important today? I think it's got, you know, um, we've definitely come into like a mature, uh, we've gone over the Gartner hype cycle of 3D printing and it's definitely now a, you know, mature platform. There is new, new innovation constantly coming out. You know, there's 3D printing buildings. Mm -hmm. You know, we'd have a lot of red tape to solve in New Zealand to do that. But, um, you know, there's the medical field. So there's so many fields, you know, separate uh, segments in the 3D printing industry. From my side of things, most business, you know, like um, jet boat companies printing out their own, you know, props and using old technology to cast them. So 3D print it, send it to the casting shop, and you've got a stainless steel boat prop, you know. Um, and, and I just love that convergence where we use old tech with new tech um, to get solutions made. But there is 3D printing in metal. Um, I think that's, you know, that's definitely the holy grail. Uh, but it's not a simple thing. It's a very expensive, it's still very expensive to achieve metal prints. Yeah, it was interesting. I was up at Sale GP Technologies you know, walk with a little while back in the last uh, 12, 18 months. And uh, yeah, it was, it was certainly very, you know, very interesting to, to see the different technologies they were, they were using there and, you know, what sort of quality that you can, uh, you can really get out of, uh, out of the different uh, machines and 3D scanning. And, you know, you can see how within that, um, that, you know, high end world of, of sailing and, and racing and so on, uh, just how useful that tech, that technology yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely know, is. Yeah, definitely the adaption and just being able to change stuff on the fly and, you know, have a new, have a new you know, type of product, whatever it is, to, mm. to be able to. I mean, the biggest challenge on 3D scanning is that most people go, oh, I can just 3D scan this. Let's say I've got an old Ford 
1968, you know, Mustang, or whatever, and I've got this component and it's it's broken or whatever, can you just 3D scan it and print me one? With 3D scanning, it's not an X-ray machine, so we can't see internal geometry. So we've always got to 3D scan the external, and that needs the internals need a lot of manual labor in in certain CAD to redesign the internals to be able to then 3D print. So mm, yeah. a part that might normally cost $100 is now costing several hundred because of labor costs to rejig the part. And in terms of online databases of, you know, 3D items, how has that side come along? There seem to be, you know, lots of different options. Some, you know, some's open source, other things you you pay for and so on. What does that landscape actually yeah, look like Yeah, I think like the, the library is getting bigger and bigger. But I think um, we need to look to like a commercial company. For instance, uh, we do a lot of uh, companies uh, doing ute modifications. Um, having a library of all the different vehicle types, all the chassis types in a ute, um, companies are holding that data to themselves because that's their value. So you don't. It's their really, intellectual property, isn't yeah, it? So exactly. Whilst as a as a sort of an individual company, you could go and scan something and and make your own copy and probably get you know get away with it. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a level to which if you start distributing those uh, those those scans online, you're probably going to get yourself into. Uh, into a bit of trouble. Yeah, I think I think the biggest uh, change that the 3D world is going to have is when we start introducing AI into uh, being able to AI being able to regenerate models. You know, give a 3D scan of something and it goes, "Oh, I recognize this. Oh, I estimate that this has got holes in it and, you know, I estimate the thread size and and then it builds a 3D model for you." I think that is going to be a massive change in um, on the three D engineering side of things. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that'll make a lot of lot of sense. Good, good use of AI. Now you talked about self driving or autonomous vehicle tech. Um, are you one that's dabbled with Open Pilot? Is that the that's right? That yeah, the technology yeah, yeah, from uh, from from Comma. That's Comma AI. That's yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fantastic, with a little bit of gear, and it works. You know, it works and it's easy to do, you know, DBT port and uh, off you go. So walk, walk us through, set it, you know, setting up your vehicle like this because, you know, I've, I've known others that have done it, but, I ha- you know, I haven't really delved too much into, uh, you know, how much time does it does it take? Obviously, you've got to have it's, a vehicle that, that's compatible. How good is it? I'm sure you've probably compared it to I, Tesla. I've and, compared and so it to on. Tesla. Yeah. Um, it's probably as good good as the $10,000 Tesla add-on. At the end of the day, a lot of these things are like line following, you know. Yeah, you're following product. the lines following on the road. The lines, if the road's well marked, then the it's easy to follow, road, isn't road's it? Yeah. Well marked. And there yeah. are still, even if there's no markings on the road, there's still markings on the road in terms of, you know, there's a gully on the road. That's still a constant line that computer vision can see so mm, mm. they do still work quite well even on a road that's got no markings tesla's got major failings in its self current edition in new zealand of its self-driving in the u.s one it looks brilliant yeah it looks yeah amazing. well I'm, I'm currently uh having some discussions with them shall we say uh about my investment because interestingly when they uh when they launched the model three here in in, in new zealand and you could add on the the FSD 
package, you know, a little under 10K at that, at that point in time. But they specifically put in writing what what the features were that they were going to deliver in 2019. Mm. And actually they haven't delivered on the key one, which is what they call driving on city streets, which would, you know, get you from, from A to B. Sure, you're, you're overseeing it and watching it, and we've seen all the videos of that in the US and in beta, but, mm. uh, you know, what, what should have arrived within the first uh, few months according to what they put in black and white uh, for me still hasn't arrived sort of, yeah, a lot of nearly, marketing nearly three and there. a half years sort of uh, later. So, uh, um, yeah, the, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what um, uh, what, what comes of that uh, uh, di- discussion at the moment or whether there will be some um, other legal hoops and, you know, disputes-type processes to go through to, uh, to, to work that out. I mean, this stuff is, you know, I think has, has proven to be um, you know, harder to take to the next level probably than, uh, uh, you know, what what many would have thought. But um, I, f- I find, um, you know, quite quite fascinating, uh, you know, what, what Comma have, have done with OpenPilot and having this, you know, open source, uh, you know, technology that, that has, you know, um, you know, worked very well for a lot of people. I guess it's mostly sort of on the, on the state highways, on the motorways, where you you tend to use it, That's yeah, most definitely, uh, and it's a and it's a good piece of kit. Uh, uh, you know, I, all of these things you've got to have your hands ready at the wheel, whether it's a Tesla or anything, because a chicken crosses a road. None of these, you know, systems are in, uh, capable of. Well, the of, chicken's going to die, isn't the it? The chicken's going to die, but you know, what do you do? Yeah, you know, um, it's just a metaphor, but. You know, there um, are unexpected things. There are unexpected. There's yeah. always the unexpected. Yeah. Uh, a, a, you know, a bicycle, a scooter, a you know, a piece of metal flying off a truck. You know, none of these systems are programmed to avoid that. There's not enough data to do that. You know, you'd have to put a lot of metal off trucks to just train that particular scenario. What color is it? What angle? What You know, there's just it's yeah. unlimited. Uh, the possibilities to react for a vehicle to react to that, but they both do good jobs, you mm, know. In mm. terms, of, I would say the Comma AI and Tesla's ten thousand dollar New Zealand version are pretty equivalent. I mean, the Tesla's uh, reverse parking is atrocious; it just cannot <laughs> yeah. reverse. You know. Yeah, it's a it's, yeah. a it's a bit of a bit of a shocker, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and there, there are obviously there's sort of you know competing things, Mercedes and 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 others at varying you know varying points with some some you know some pretty good technologies um how does it handle road cones is it sort of you know re- capable on on that front at this point or is that no it's no not there yet? it, it yeah. doesn't yeah. no i yeah. mean I, I wish there was a counter in some of these things to count how many road cones we have on these roads <laughs> <laughs> that would always be a good oh you've reached 1000 road cones ding ding yeah, I think that yeah, probably that would be that'd be a common day around uh, around <laughs> some parts of the the country. I have had situations uh, with with Tesla where yeah, it will do it does a very good job with cones on a motorway, and then other times where uh, where where it won't. One I was on a you know on a journey, and um, the the end was uh, I think it was only hung a exit uh, the motorway in Auckland. And you know there were cones basically across and sort of merging you across into other lanes and mm. and so on. Uh, and uh, this was a sort of an evening jaunt. Probably it might have been very soon after they turned on 
um, the the um, well they call it navigate on autopilot capabilities in New Zealand, and I just got I thought I got to try this, so you know just went went for a drive and uh, and it handled it really well. Um, and then uh, you know another another scenario was um, probably State Highway One, you know, heading from probably between Hamilton and Auckland, and vehicles sort of navigating through cones quite well. Um, but it almost feels like it's lost some of those capabilities because recently I had scenarios where I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to be, yep, I'm taking over. And, uh, yeah, you, you know, you, otherwise you think you're going to be you're eating a, you're cones about to be, for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. So uh, it is quite fascinating to, to see these these technologies uh, I mean, I, I would love them to incorporate, you know, pothole detection, you know, a tricky one to do if it's raining. And feed it back to the council, right? Yeah, so yeah. There you go. You can, that's a you can, that's a you know, great idea. Win back to uh, the relevant entities to uh, sort things out. Great. Now onto this world of uh, robotics that you've got into and and education. So yeah, walk walk us through that that story with uh, with so, Kai's education. It's, yeah. Uh, so really I cool. mean. I was, you know, like going back a bit, you know, so I was doing these 3D printers. I was making, you know, curriculum uh, 3D content, you know, products, uh, going into the classroom. And then I was like, I was going into the coding, you know, some of the the schools and seeing what they were doing with coding. And the kids are just using their thumbs to drive around balls. And I'm like... That's not um, coding. That's (laughs) not coding. And I'm like, ah... Remote control cars. That yeah, remote control cars uh, with an education level. And I went back to I went to an open day and and there's ten schools on display and the same things happening. I'm like, come on, guys! Or there's little robots that are following a line, and I, well, you know, and is I, education washing a term? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my my son uh, started playing this this game uh, called Geometry Dash. I don't know if you've come across it. But uh, I saw the you know saw the request come through. He wants to you know install this, and I'm thinking that sounds good. That sounds very educational. Of course, I can approve that. You know, and uh, later I you know, I found out there's not it's not a particularly educational game. Put it put it that way. So there's a lot of these uh, these things that kind of look a little bit educational, but yeah, is there that that uh, that real learning opportunity? Yeah. So I just I just got frustrated. My son was learning coding at that time. And I'm just going, nah, there's got to, we've got to make, you know, and I started looking at all the products and there's like a little bee thing, robot that, you know, is just going forward, left and right. And I'm like, how do you, you know, you get to the ceiling of, of uh, the current products very quickly. You know, the maximum capability that you can learn from this device is like very restrictive. So I just researched the thing and I said, man, there's a huge open market. Um, and for our first product, Kai's Clan, um, I said, you know, you've got all these different technologies. You've got IoT, you've got AI, you've got VR. And I was like, why don't we make a tool that encompasses all of these tech? And because in business we have, just like you've got microphones, you've got video, you've got streaming – You've got all different types of tech all connected together to pr- produce one outcome. And that's what I, you know, we started doing and we put IoT in, you know, so you can program this little yellow robot, this cute little yellow robot over the internet because it's an IoT device. And no one had done that in, in the education space that we could find. I'm like, 
so we kind of made something for COVID that we didn't even know happened. So that was a really good outcome when COVID mm. hit. Mm. Um, teachers could have the the robots at home and the kids could still be uh, remoting and coding their robots over the internet because it's an IoT device. And then viewing the physical robot in a virtual um, instance on their computers. Mm, mm. Because what we, our speciality is, is merging the, the physical robot and a virtual kind of avatar uh, with it. So wherever the physical robot moves, the virtual robot moves. And then they can do animations on the robot, get temperature data, real temperature data off a robot and have that represented in the virtual or make it rain in the virtual space mm-hmm. based on humidity sensor data. That's great. Yeah, I can see the the educational, you know, potential if you can make it, you know, quite easy uh, is phenomenal. And I think of some of the uh, gadgets that we've sort of been sent and have, you know, tested over the years across New Zealand Tech Podcast. And some of these are from very well-funded, you know, Silicon Valley or, you know, US startups that have had you know, a whole lot of venture capital uh, thrown into them, they come up with some gorgeous products. Uh, I remember one of the one of the little sort of robots or the little sort of like a digger type thing on the front that would go around and and do things, and it was very cute. And then they had a it was kind of some sort of modern slot car set, sort of you know oh, racing that's car right, the Anki one, uh, yeah, type thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. they were uh, yeah Anki was a company I was thinking of, and and you know they they created what was some really nice products. Now they you know when the the funding ran out. Uh, you know, they hadn't really kind of landed on, you know, where how this technology should sort of fit into the market. And uh, you know, to me, it seems that education is the is the is the perfect uh, place because you know then you can you can tie together these reasonably low cost sort of you know gadgets um, to actually do things that are that are quite interesting. And are educational because in terms of just kids playing uh, with sort of some of that Anki equipment, um, yeah, I think they lose interest pretty pretty quickly. Yeah. So if you can work it in so it can get used in, in the classroom, which seems to be the approach you've taken, I think you have a have a really, really big potential. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so definitely, um, you know, what we found was all the products on the market were – uh, toys converted into an educational product. So we said, okay, let's, you know, and and we use teachers. Teachers came into our offices and go, hey, let's give you feedback, and this is how we do it. And and you know, our first iteration, we failed drastically. You know, we're trying to do an IoT system on a school network. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a recipe for disaster. But you know, fantastic engineers. We've made a mesh self-healing mesh network. Um, so all the robots talk to themselves and choose a robot that's got the best battery power and then communicate that through that. But the teacher doesn't see that. It's all, all behind the scenes. It's all automatic. So, yeah, we you know definitely design for uh, the classroom rather than design for the parent or, you know, that. A new robot will definitely be available for the parent and, and the child. But it's not a toy. It's an educational tool uh, to learn how to code and do many other things. Mm, that's great. And um, who's behind the business? Is this a sort of a bootstrap type thing? Have you got a lot of funding? 
What's been your your approach from that perspective at this point? Well, very fortunate with the 3D printing business. Um, you know, that's bootstrapped us to develop this. We've had no funding, you know, no other funding outside. Um, but, you know, we're ready for growth now. You know, this is our second product that we've just finished off. Um, you know, 2,000 pre-production units being shipped out as we speak um, to, you know, to countries like Italy, US, um, Aussie, yeah. And you've won an award recently? Yeah, that was uh, very lucky, serial number one of a product. It's always a little bit touch and go when you send serial number one out (laughs) for an award, but they really wanted us to submit it because they loved what we showed them, our prototype, and we were like very nervous. (laughs) And we got a phone call and said, yep, you you know, you're in the finalists. Uh, So they flew a colleague of ours out to Dubai, um, all expenses paid. And, uh, yeah, we're very lucky to win the award. Uh, We've had great help by NZ Trade and Enterprise as well as NZ uh, EdTech. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, they've been behind us and they're really helping us um, getting ready to grow uh, significantly. That's great. Um, So walk us through the new product. We're recording this kind of ahead of your uh, official launch, but uh, this, yeah, by the time this uh, comes to our audience in a, in a few days' time, um, you will have launched. So, um, yeah, t- um, walk, us, walk us through. So what we wanted to do is we wanted a product that can be used without any computer because kids at the moment, you know, kids through COVID have had way too much digital exposure. You know, we got to... Surely not. Is, yeah. there, is there a limit? <laughs> There's a limit. <laughs> We've just got to get back into uh, some of the physical uh, physical computing devices. Mm. But how can you teach coding uh, using, you know, physical computing? It's like, that's, that's a challenge in itself. So what we have is we have a deck of cards, if you imagine a deck of cards. But these cards are constructed uh, kind of like Python. So that there's over 100 cards. These cards are also available in Braille, so for the hard to hard, hard of sight, um, and you lay you construct these cards out as if you were going to say code. So if simply you would say move forward, turn left, right? Basic things. So you've got a start and a finish. We've got these square 15 centimeter magnetic tiles that snap together, so you can build out a level or like a maze that you'd lay out on the floor or on your desk. And you've got to get the robot from the start to the finish, right? So you go forward, left, forward, left, forward, left. Well, those things I've just done is actually a loop. So forward, left is one segment, but you're repeating that three times. So we say, okay, to the kids, add a loop card, a loop start and a loop end. How many times do you want to loop? So we've got this kind of construct for the for young kids or teachers who have never coded before because we've got a lot of teachers who have been put into teaching computer science, but they've never been trained for it. So we lay out this construct. Then we use the robot. We tap each card. We tap the robot onto the card. It's got a special camera that can read, recognize what the card is, taps, and it you're programming the robot. Now, Fantastic. That's a great approach. So if you say... I tap uh, start record, start loop, and you don't put in how many times that you're going to loop. It the robot's got a little screen on it, and it says bug alert. 
you've left out, you know, loop how many times. Excellent. So what this is doing is because a lot of kids in a classroom are too scared to put up their hand, you know, because putting up your hand is is sometimes seen as, oh, I'm failing. I don't know what to do and I don't want to feel, you know, awkward in front of the whole classroom. I mean, no one, you know, you do a podcast or you do a live thing and you say, oh, any questions? And you know, <laughs> people are always a little bit shy to put up their hands and kids are the same. So if the robot can help the child find the fault that he's made, make correct the mistake, and then he can just carry on coding and really give the child a lot of confidence to to build up their coding, um, you know, template. Yeah, that's really neat. How much uh, have you been able to test uh, so far with the with the new one and with different audiences? Way too much. <laughs> Way too much. Having uh, young kids who have never coded before use the product. When we're developing, we're constantly going into uh, you know uh, local schools and getting kids to test the product constantly, and we get the feedback and we improve on the product, and you know the product development cycle on this has like taken two years, which is should have been a year, but it's taken two years. But we've really been able to fine tune and get it ready for um, for the classroom. Along with that. We make a whole lot of lesson plans and we get teachers from the US or from Australia to to create lesson plans that wrap around the product. So you're not just getting a product, you're getting the the, the activities or the projects with it. Mm, mm. Now, in, in tech, we've generally, over recent decades at least, ended up with a lot more guys coming through with tech interests and, and tech qualifications. Are you finding that this is sort of of, of broad interest, you know, girls and and boys are, are taking interest and, and, you know, you've been able to develop it in such a way that you connect in both directions? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, you know, when we designed it, you know, we, we want it to be fully inclusive. I mean, you see the little robot here. It's got a, you know, little unicorn um, sleeve on it. Little poop, right? So they poop, can be, yeah, they can be, emoji. they can be personalised <laughs> up according, yeah. Accordingly. So the kids can make it their own. We've got blank sleeves that they can uh, design and create for themselves. But we, yeah, we want the product, not boys, girls, just you know, universal. Mm. So whether mm. it's a a teenager or a young child, we can use the product with them as well, and they don't feel out of place. Or so it's just really inclusive on um, what we're doing. Yeah, and in terms of the way that you sort of expect it to sort of evolve in the in the future with the different exercises that you know it can be used for, what sort of age range you would um, you know see see the interest? So I mean, we'll start from a five year old um, child, probably the youngest, uh, but we've uh, we've got a virtual platform um, that runs on top of. Um, on top of the physical, so that's our speciality again. We have the physical with the virtual. In the virtual, we have a, um, a, a like a maze builder, game level builder. Yep. So older kids can actually use our virtual only, so you can use it virtually only, called Conundrum, with a K-A-I as Kynundrum, yep. um, .com, and you can go on there today and you know play for free, uh, or play, play and code for free. Um, and you can build your own levels. So you really, there's no, because we've got a level builder, you can really scope it out quite far. So you can go up to high school with it. 
um, in our virtual um, uh, builder, there are things that we talked about earlier, self-driving cars. It's got, a, it's got a radar on it. The radar can sense objects. There's oil slicks, there's lasers, there's gates. If the physical robot hits a virtual gate that's closed, it stops. So if you code it to go through, if you've paired the robot with your, your iPad or your tablet and you see there's a gate and you try and go through that gate, you can't go through, the physical robot can't go through a virtual gate. And there's balloons to pop and, you know, and a lot of uh, problem solving and getting kids, you know, um, creative skills going on, not just solving levels, but also creating their own levels to then go and solve later. Great. And um, you mentioned um, Minecraft at, at one point. There's some sort of crossover there with um, some of the the software and so on you've been building? Yeah, totally. Um, so uh, with our first-generation robot, um, kids can create their own um, robot avatars. So that means they can go into Minecraft, they can create elements, graphic elements that we can use in our uh, virtual, uh, you know, VR um, side of things for the robots. What this means is, let's say um, you've got a classroom, you know, with a dozen kids in there, and they all go and create their own uh, Minecraft characters. One, one, one wants to be a chicken, and uh, that, that chicken again, um, and they can all be different characters. And then, when you're coding your physical robot, you can then sit inside VR, and you can see all these Minecraft characters. Not in Minecraft itself, but in our own virtual um, apps and uh, augmented apps as well. Augmented oh, reality apps, yeah. Great. So where to next? You're really going out sort of globally, aren't you, in terms of launching your products and looking at the export opportunities? Yeah, totally. You know, we're definitely going to be ramping up this time next week. We're going to do uh, four shows in five weeks in the U.S., we're going to freeze our butts off. It's like <laughs> minus 10 in some places. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, you know, we're really ready to grow now. I think having our second product under our belt now and uh, we can really look at expanding. We've got a lot of associated products as well. So we don't currently offer any subscription. So from a business side of things, uh, we've got quite a, a, a wide product portfolio, I feel, and we'll carry on innovating and um, developing new products, yeah. That's great. And um, how big's your, your team at this stage? Oh, we're small. Um, there's uh, nine of us in total. Um, some of that staff is shared from the 3D printing to the Kai's education. Um, but, yeah, we, we're ready to grow. We've got um, game developers on our team. We've got hardware engineers, designers, you know, to put a physical product together as well as a virtual product takes and networking and servers and all of that kind of stuff in the cloud. Um, it takes quite a lot of um, resources to, to do that. It's not just a physical product. Yeah, well, I mean, that's um, that's great to have have a sort of a end-to-end Offering that's uh, you know that's immediately useful for uh, for education. Yeah. So for those that are listening, whether they're you know you know parents that are interested in in this sort of thing for their school or you know teachers and so on, um, where should people go to look and and find out you know what what the options are? Is it reasonably easy at this point to sort of get uh, 
to get started? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, our new product is going to be about 100 and 130 New Zealand dollars uh, starting price. Um, and yeah, kaiseducation.com. So K-A-I, um, kaiseducation.com is, is where to go. And uh, that's when they'll be able to order uh, product from us. Um, yeah. That's great. Well, Bruce Jackson, thank you very much for, uh, for coming on the New Zealand Tech Podcast today. It's uh, been, been fascinating and certainly, uh, you know, wish you all the best with uh, Kai's education, the KaiBot and, uh, you know, the other parts of the ecosystem. And, yeah, I really, you know, hope this is something that can be adopted, uh, you know, across New Zealand and that we get that sort of, you know, win on the education side and, and a win uh, also on the export side. So that's uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, most thank, thank, thank you very much. Mm. Well, thanks everyone for uh, for joining us on uh, on this episode of the New Zealand uh, Tech Podcast. Of course, also uh, thanks to our show partners, uh, Vodafone, Spark, Two Degrees, HP, and Gorilla Technology. And we'll be back again, of course, with another show next week. Uh, if you have been uh, catching the video for this episode, uh, would recommend go and go and uh, fire up a podcast app on your uh, smartphone. Uh, be that Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. Uh, and subscribe or follow the NZ Tech podcast, which is free. Uh, of course, if you're listening to the audio episode, um, you can catch the uh, the videos that uh, most weeks tend to go out live on a on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, and we're across uh, LinkedIn. Uh, at this stage, you the best thing on LinkedIn is to follow myself, Paul Spain. Um, but you can also find NZ Tech podcast across YouTube, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. All right, thanks everyone. Catch you next week. Cheers, Bruce. Thank you. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.